this month is how to like your family. All right, and, and the, we called it that because a lot of times whenever you, somebody asks you, how, did you love your family? You're like, absolutely. I love my family. I love my spouse. My kids are awesome. I love them. I love them. And, then, and then if you say, well, do you like your family? It's like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I love them, but I can't stand them. Just to be honest with you, you know, because I mean, it's, it's kind of like loving healthy food. We love healthy food for what it does for our body, but we don't like it. I don't, my buddy, Steven, he, he's the next gen pastor here. Uh, he eats like straight leaves sometimes. <laughs> that just, that's not salad. That's a leaf. And somebody picked leaves from a tree and put them in a bag. And you're like, this is so wholesome and fiber and blah. I'm like, that smells terrible. And, um, <laughs> He actually put uh, uh, like, like whey protein as creamer in his coffee. I'm like, there is no planet that people like that, okay? <laughs> There's nowhere that people are okay with that, but he's like, no, it's good. You'll develop a taste for it. I'm like, no, I don't desire to develop a taste for whey protein in my coffee. Never, never, right? It's like, you don't, you don't like it. You love what it does for your body, right? So our family sometimes ends up being like that. Last week, we talked about how to have a family that you like. Uh, you got to start with how to have a family that God likes, because this is a deal. You can have a family that you like, but it not be a family that God likes. But I guarantee you, if you have a family that God likes, it will be a family that you like. I guarantee godly principles, and when we apply them, God designed them for our good right? And for his glory. And so if we operate by those principles, our life at the end of the day will be uh, better and more wholesome. Not that we won't go through really bad times and hard. That's not, that's, that's the wrong type of gospel. Okay. However, I truly believe that in the end of our life, that we will have uh, more, we will be operating in forgiveness and grace and, and more biblically that pleases God than if we do not. And some things are temporary and it feels good temporarily, but it does, it runs out. Right? And so we don't want to have families that we just like. We got to start off saying, let's have family, families that, that please God and that give him glory. And then we can move forward from there. So, so the rest of the month, today we're going to talk about uh, how to have conversations that you like. Okay. Now we're talking about this before we talk about marriage and kids and all that. Because, because if you can't communicate well, if you can't resolve conflict well... No matter what you try to do, you're going to hate each other, okay? I'm, 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 honest. I'm being honest with you because you could have even the same values, but if you can't communicate them well, you'll be sitting on the opposite side of the table trying to communicate the same thing, but for whatever reason, you're just angry at each other. Why? Because you don't know how to communicate well. And conflict resolution is important, but conflict resolution happens whenever you communicate well right? Good conflict resolution, good communication. And so today we're talking about how to have conversations that you like. And I'm completely convinced that many people would rather stay in a mediocre relationship with their family than actually have hard conversations. I'm convinced of it because it takes work and it takes awkward moments and it takes like, like catching up to where you need to be. And many times we just fall into a rhythm that we would rather just stay in that rhythm, stay in mediocrity, stay in a, a functioning relationship, but it not be uh, like really, really taking ground. Like we said last week, many families are, are surviving, but they're not thriving. 
Many marriages, they're surviving. We've been married for 35 years. We haven't been in the same room together for the last 30 years, but we still got rings on our fingers, you know? We live in separate homes. It's like, you don't have a marriage. You have a contract, okay? It's not a, it's not a relationship. So, so how to have conversations that we like. And uh, this is the way that I kind of think. I like to start sometimes with how not to do things, right? So, so, so I wanna share with you, you might wanna take some notes right now of, of how to have conversations that you don't like. Here's some, here's some suggestions. Get your pens out, ready? How to have conversations that you don't like. Number one, have conversations at the worst time. Worst possible time. Here's some examples in the moment. Like whenever you feel it, just, just have the conversation, even though it might be like three in the morning, just go for it, okay? Late at night, this is a good one, in front of other people. Big crowd of people and you just somebody says something, just go for it right there. Just really hash it out, right? With the family, just everybody's looking. Facebook is a good place to do that. You know, just, just let it all hang out. Hey, everybody, here's my business. And you'll have a great conversation that you don't like. How about this? Say everything you want to say and how you feel like saying it. Just really, just uh, here's, some, here's some ways that that might look. Yell. Lots of yelling. Uh, condescend one another. That's always a good plan. How about intimidation, right? A lot of dads get caught up in that. Just, just roar like a bear, you know, roar. And they just yell and they take over and somebody tries to say something, they throw something. When you throw things, that really communicates that you're taking charge, all right? There's some, some things. However, some of you might do the old silent treatment. Where mm. you sit there and you're just like, I'm not gonna say anything. Oh, it's just as damaging. To a person like me, silence is more angry. Never mind. <laughs> Use words like always and never. Consistently. Always use words like always and never. Really, really works well. Inaccurate words. Use words that like you there, there's no basis for it. Like, well, I, you do that thing. You're like, when have I ever done that? You did it. Uh, I know that you've done it. There's no, you don't know. Exaggerate, exaggerate things. Really just like, like blow it up. Vague and ambiguous facts. <laughs> there it is. Just happened yesterday, right? I mean, y'all, this is where it is. How about this one? Compare yourselves to other people. Always helpful. This is what I wrote down. Nothing says I love you more than saying I wish you were like someone else. Right? I love you sort of, kind of, but I really would love you if you were like so-and-so. Right? That's basically what you say whenever you say, well, they do it like this and you never do it like, he always buys that, right? Like this comparison game. Growing up as a, as a kid, I always compared my parents to other parents. I, well, they always get to go in this and that. And, and as I got older, I realized how much more valuable it was that I, I did not get to go and do that or go with those people or do whatever. Because now 33 years old, I realized the self-control that maybe it instilled. I realized the standards that it instilled. Yeah, it didn't always bat a thousand. It wasn't always perfect. However, 
I realized that it was better that way. But we compare ourselves to other people and that's a lose-lose. All of these things, if you, if you well, can we just be honest? All of us have something like this operating in our, in our marriages and in our homes, but it's lose-lose. Whenever you get in a conversation and it's how it starts, forget about it. And uh, we put out a, a Facebook post this past week about these things. What was communication like? What was conflict resolution? What did it look like in your home? And a lot of the things that I just said pretty much came directly from those. It really did. And some of us were raised like that. And so now we're in a, in a family environment now and we're doing the same thing. We're just replicating what we were taught. And unfortunately, most meaningful conversations happen with people who are coming from a defensive and painful position. Hurt people hurt people, all right? Hurt people say things to maybe try to get a leg up on somebody else because they're insecure. Hurt people maybe were, were rejected at some point and so they never wanna be rejected again. So out of that defensive place, they wanna attack you before you attack them. Make sense? It's where a lot of families are operating from. So let's talk about how, some, how to have some, some healthy, good conversations as a family. You wanna do that today? Hope you got your, your notes out. Hope you're ready. Here we go. The first statement is this, healthy conversations happen at the right place and the right time. Again, how it, how it usually looks is we wanna have a healthy, good conversation whenever we get home from work and we're war slap out, right? Maybe, maybe you have the home environment where the man goes to work and the woman stays at home and, and works at home with the kids and, or whatnot. And, and daddy comes home from work, just wore out, said 75,000 words that day or whatever he had to do, right? He had to work for eight straight hours, comes home. And, and mama's been working too, all right? Just because you stay at home, come on, moms. You ain't just sitting around, you know, watching The View. Uh, either way, you wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> However, both parties come together at the end of the day, more than likely both tired, more than likely both hungry. Anytime that I'm hungry, I don't need to, I don't need to say many words, all right? Just to be honest with you, y'all know what hangry is, and it's very real, and it's very true. And it might show that we're slightly addicted to food, but it's whatever, all right? But that's where we try to have these conversations, mad about something else, and then let's engage in a conversation about something that's really going on in our home. That is not a good plan. That is not a good start. I can't tell you how many times me and my wife have been arguing about something here, but yet at some point you're like, I don't even feel like we're really talking about this right now. I feel like there's something ambiguous over here that we need to speak about first. And then more than likely we get back to this place where it is that. And we start with, <laughs> we start with that and all of a sudden this dissipates. Why? Because it was the right place and time and conversation to have. Ecclesiastes says, there is a time to be quiet and a time to speak. And oh, how much wisdom it takes to know the difference, right? There's a time to shut your mouth and walk away. And then sometimes it's time to say, no, right now, we're sitting down at the table and we're gonna hash this out. But to know, to know the difference, man, that's something that I can't tell you. You gotta know it. You've got to, you gotta imbibe the spirit of God, which has wisdom to know the difference. When is it a good time to, t uh, to, to be quiet, a time to speak? James 1.19 says, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen, first of all, shut your mouth, listen. Slow to speak, 
choose your words wisely, all right? But then slow to get angry because here's the deal, guys. We, no matter how slow we are to speak, we're gonna say the wrong thing. And so all of us have a responsibility to try our best to not get angry. Whenever emotions are interjected into a conversation, negative emotions, that conversation is done. You're no longer communicating. You're trying to win an argument. That's what's wrong with politics in our nation. That's what's wrong with our nation, man. That's one of the reasons I can't stand social media. It's like, it's like a double-edged sword because nobody knows each other. They're not looking face to face. They're not communicating. They're just arguing. And that's not good communication. It's gonna be a conversation that you end up hating. You might like it in the moment. You feel like you're taking ground. It's kind of like getting in a fight. In the moment, you're like, adrenaline's running, blah, 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 blah. And then like the next day you wake up and you're like, oh, like, oh, oh. Why? Because you had adrenaline in the moment, but you damaged your, your body. In arguments, you have adrenaline in the moment, but you're damaging your family. You're damaging your emotions. It's not the way God created us to, to operate. Number two is this. It's not just about what you say, but also how you say it. All right. 55% of communication is body language. For instance, if I'm up here and, and we're having an argument or a conversation and you're just, you're just talking, 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 and I'm like this. What am I communicating? I don't care what you're saying. I've already made up my mind, right? How about somebody's talking to you and you're just doing this? Like some of you in this room right now, but that's neither here nor there, right? <laughs> I disagree. I don't care. I'm not interested. How about when somebody's talking and you're just like trying to get a word in edgeways? Like, <clears throat> I'm not listening to you. I want to say something. Body language, 55% of what we do is body language. 38% is the tone of your voice. It's the tone of your voice. And that leaves 7%, which is the actual words that you choose to say. It's not about what you say, it's about how you say it. And your families, so many times, dads, you're saying the right thing, but you're saying it the wrong way. And so nobody's interpreting what you're saying. All they're, all they're hearing is your tone. And I'm guilty of it just as much as you are. At times, it's late, right? Something happens and it's like, all right, that's it. We're going to bed. <laughs> you know, you just got those moments, right? No. Oh, no. <laughs> we don't always get it right. But what's the norm? What's the normal tone? What's the, what's, what's the word choice and the tone that's being used? Words and tone are so important. And the Bible talks about this. The Bible says in Proverbs, Proverbs uh, 15.1, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. A soft answer can accomplish so much. When somebody says something to you, a spouse, a, a parent, a kid, whatever, the way that you respond to it determines how inflamed the situation is gonna get or not. The response the initial offense isn't the, isn't the deciding factor. It's how you respond to it. But if both parties involved don't care, it just starts stacking. Domestic, domestic situations, you guys know, uh, know police officers, whenever they go to a domestic situation, they are gone, I mean, they're, they're going there in a very uh, uh, aware state because domestic situations are some of the most violent because people have lost control 
They've lost control. So they're flinging out words and they're, and they're saying things that are damaging. One time I was talking to a, a couple and they were deciding whether really to get married or not. And uh, we were sitting at our table talking and, and, and look, like, like two of the nicest people you'll still ever meet, right? And, and look, this late girl, she's soft-spoken and just ba 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 ba. Well, after about an hour, we got to where the conversation really needed to go. And, uh, and then this soft-spoken girl, you know, she just all of a sudden went, like, like, like sharp word of, and I was like, whoa, right? A cutting remark to this guy. And I was like, and maybe she wasn't completely wrong in what she said. It didn't matter how she said it. I was like, whoa. I said, wait, 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 okay, okay. And this is for some of you right now. I said, if he was your best friend, and I named her best friend. I said, if, she was, if your best friend was sitting in that chair, would you say what you just said and how you said it to that person? And by the way, have you ever spoken to your best friend like that? And the whole room changed. Of course not. I said, because if you spoke to your best friend like that, they wouldn't be your best friend anymore. <laughs> they would walk out. And I said, how come the person that you're supposed to love the most might be giving your life to, you would speak the most disrespectful to. And it changed the whole environment. How come y'all, when it comes to our families, the people that we live with, the people that we're closest to, we tend to not care what we say to. What is that? It's being familiar with one another. And, and where being familiar with someone should lead you to more respect and more love, it does just the opposite whenever it's operating in, in a carnal way. It breeds contempt. It breeds animosity and disunity. And it's not the way it's supposed to happen. We're supposed to go from, uh, from communication to unity to more love to communicate, right? Taking ground together. But instead, it's not what happens. So how do you speak to each other? What's your tone? And then what's the words that you use? Proverbs 18, 20, wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. Every conversation you have, it has an appetite. And the words that you choose are what feeds it. It has an appetite. It's like a fire. It depends what you put in it determines where the direction, the direction that it goes. I wanna give you an example of some bad word choice in these moments. I can't believe you did that. If you start off a conversation like that, it's already done. It's bad. You are in attack mode. I can't believe you did that. Why do you always, again, the always and never, why do you, we're talking about word choice, y'all. Just simple word choice. Why do you always, that is very, that's, it's attacking. And usually it's not like this, baby, why do you always? <laughs> we might could be okay with that. It's why do you always? That right there, when I hear that, or Nadine hears it, depends which one of us says it. It's done, it's done. Just go take a ride in the car, come back 30 minutes later, and actually let's try to have a real conversation because it ain't gonna work right now. You know what I'm saying? Nope, all right. How about this? What were you thinking? Basically what you just said is you're dumb. You dumb. What were you thinking? I've never, if somebody's asked me that or said something like that, are you dumb or what are you thinking? I've never said, you're correct. You're, you're, I'm not sure what I was pondering at that moment. Please bestow upon me your wisdom. 
Yeah, right. Immediate defense mode. I don't know. What was I thinking? What, why are you asking me like that? Right? <laughs> How about some better choices might be something like, when you did or said that, it made me feel like, like this. Because sometimes, let's be honest, we're not trying to attack somebody. Sometimes we just say something and it's just a, it's just a bad choice and they took it and, 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 and maybe both parties are wrong or maybe both parties were just not paying attention, right? And so whenever you say something like, man, when you, when you said that, this is how it made me feel. The way that I took it was like this. this is, when you said it, this is how I took it. I'm not understanding why you said or did that. I, I, I'm not getting it. Obviously, I, got, I know you love me, so I must have just misread the situation because there's no way that you would, I, there's just no way. I understand that, right? It's a completely different posture. Text conversations. And I wanted to write this. Text conversations are not sufficient for serious conversations. It's about as plain as I can get it, all right? Because a lot of times we choose the right words in text conversations, but there's no tone, no tone, right? And so you might've said it exactly how you wanted to say it, but they don't know how you said it. And even though it's worded well, they may have heard you say all of that with a condescending tone. And so you know what they come back with? Some sort of rebuttal. And then it's on. You know what I'm talking about? Look, if you ever start, when you're texting back and forth with somebody and you feel a tension come up in, inside of your chest, you feel that, that thing, you feel that confusion, and you feel the need to almost like one-up them, just stop. Just stop. I want to give you, there's an app, and there's a few of them. There's an app that we use called Voxer, V-O-X-E-R, Voxer. And what it is, it's voice messaging to where it's text and voice message like combined, okay? So where you can respond to someone and they can hear your tone, but yet they can take time to respond back, which is good if you're in a conversation, maybe you're going through something, Right? I'm telling you, sometimes, it, sometimes it's good. And every, you gotta figure this out for yourself. You gotta figure out what works. Sometimes me and Nadine, honestly, we don't say anything. And then like two hours later, I'll get a text or she'll get a text. And it's just like, hey, I was wrong whenever I, or right, you work it out. That works for us, but not all the time. Sometimes it's like, put the phone to the side. We'll talk about this in about four hours. You know what I'm talking about? Hey guys, that's wisdom. Let me tell you what's very unwise. It's just keep plowing, keep plowing that conversation, even though you're both yelling. That's what's, that's what's unwise. And, and let me tell you something, it's a very sinful conversation because there's anger, there's animosity, and there's words being used that should never be used between people that love each other. The next thing is that our conversations must be honest and accurate. Honest and accurate. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 13, righteous lips are the delight of a king and he loves him who speaks what is right. Speaking what is right. Again, we just talked about saying maybe something like, this is how I feel. That's a very honest statement. It's very honest. It's just being real and transparent. And the thing about transparency is that it creates more trust. I do not have a lot of trust with someone who's never been transparent with me. 
It's just the way it is. It stays in the realm of an, an, an acquaintance, right? I've never had a real conversation with that person, so I don't really know what they're thinking or where they're coming from. I have no trust. And, and you know what? That's okay with some guy that lives in another state or this or that, just a friend. But, but for the family, to not have transparency and trust creates dysfunction, man. Transparency in, in a marriage, and we're gonna speak about, speak about marriage next week, but there's gotta be 100% transparency, even if it's painful. Yesterday, we, we, we talked about that at the marriage conference. It's gotta be openness. And look, young people, maybe you're not married yet, and whenever you hear marriage stuff, you kind of check out. Look, look, you are learning how to be married right now. If you wait to try to learn how to be married whenever you get married, you done messed up. <laughs> you gotta create, you create patterns of transparency while you're dating. Whenever you're engaged, moving towards marriage, you create those patterns long before you actually put the ring on the finger. There's got to be openness and honesty and accuracy. Inaccuracy creates animosity and disunity. Measure your words and try your hardest for them to be honest, but yet accurate at the same time. I wanna make a statement. Everything said should be true but everything true doesn't necessarily need to be said, okay? Everything said should be true, but everything true doesn't necessarily need to be said. Just because it's true doesn't mean that you could use it as a battering ram on somebody's head, all right? Sometimes you just let it go. How about this, Ephesians 4.15, instead, we will speak the truth in love. Now, here's a problem. Many people say, I'm going to speak the truth in love. And it's not in love. You're just saying what you want to say. Measure your words. Measure your tone. Make sure it's honest and accurate. But at times, you don't, have to, you don't actually have to say it. You might need to use that for another day or maybe tomorrow. But right now is not a good time. When telling the truth, always tell the most loving version of the truth, okay? The most loving version. We're talking about how to have conversations that you like. If you don't care about this, just don't take any notes and don't look, don't even just, whatever. But if you actually care, think through these things. Think about how these look on a Tuesday night, right? How does this look on a Saturday afternoon? How does it look like on a Sunday morning before you get to church? Because we all know that Sunday mornings is whenever everybody gets in arguments, right? I mean, it's, it's like, that is it. Me and Nadine, whenever we got married, uh, the first few months were not very good. And we, were not, we did not have a healthy marriage. We didn't know how to have healthy conversations. Before we got married, we took this test, this evaluation, and it said uh, that we were 100% on communication, not the right kind of communication. We did not hold anything back. 100% communication. Our expectations of marriage were completely off. Unrealistic. And it created, it was like gas and fire. And every time that we talked, there was an explosion. It could be about anything. I'm talking like the chair not being pushed under the table. Right? I mean, it didn't matter. It didn't, it didn't matter. And after a few months, you know, we, we got some help 
But this, this whole thing of, of having good conversations, we had to learn. We had to learn how to truly communicate because you create patterns. And many of you have really bad patterns in your home. Maybe there's not a lot of yelling. Maybe there's not a lot of that, that open animosity, but maybe there's a lot of silence. And can I just tell you something? Lack of communication is just as bad as bad communication. It ends up in the same place, which is disunity. It's what, it's what happens. Some of you, you haven't had a serious conversation in your family in years. And if you do have a conversation, it's just a conversation that you don't like. So therefore, why have them? You gotta push through the don't like phase to get to the like phase. You gotta push through the awkward conversations, but there must be change. If you've been using the wrong words in the wrong tone, you don't, don't worry about the other family member. Don't, don't worry about them, worry about you and you change. I will say this, that I believe that the responsibility, the number one responsibility, if it's a, if it's a family where there's a, a husband and a wife, I believe it falls on the husband more than the wife. That's just the way that I live my life. I feel like I'm the one that's supposed to, to be the spiritual head and, and be aware more. I'm not, she's just as aware as I am, but it's like I feel the need to actually answer for the state of my home. And so with that responsibility on me, Men, it's time to step up. If something's wrong in the home, don't wait for your wife to all of a sudden bring it up. That's, no, you are the man. Take the responsibility. If it's good, it's good, it's awesome. Keep, keep doing what you're doing, it's awesome. But if it's dysfunctional, there's gotta be a change. Osmosis doesn't, doesn't really truly change anything to what you want it to be. Whenever you just let something exist, it becomes its own thing. Let the communication style of your family just become its own communication style. It'll become something, something that you more than likely don't like. Apply the principles that we've talked about today to your conversations and I guarantee that they will be better and they will move forward. But here's the, here's the last closing thoughts is that we need to assess our family's ability to communicate. This is something, this is where you actually have to think and you actually have to look at my, your own family and say, how do we communicate? And the first thing is that you must be vulnerable and transparent. It takes trust, y'all, but there must be a vulnerability in your home where you can speak to one another openly, honestly, without emotion, without, without anger to gain ground. Be transparent. The next thing is to repent and forgive. Repentance, changing the way that you think, changing the way that you do something and forgiveness, because here's the deal. Whenever you've been doing something wrong, there's a lot of disunity, there's a lot of anger and everybody needs to forgive one another. Some of you have not said, I'm sorry, truly. I'm not, I'm not saying this, well, I'm sorry. That, you don't even, don't even say you're sorry if that's how you, how you say it because you're cheapening your apologies. You're cheapening them. Your words mean nothing whenever you say it like that. You'd be better off keeping your mouth shut until the moment that you can truly out of a broken heart say, I was wrong. And it might actually produce something good. But here's the deal. If you have a pattern of 
those cheap apologies. Don't expect the first time that you apologize properly for everyone to just be like, oh, we receive it. Thank you so much for apologizing. It's not the way it works, y'all. It's not the way it works. Well, I tried it. You, you did it one time. But you've got 17 years of abuse that you got to fix. It ain't going to happen in one time. It might take five years to get back where you need to be. But there's got to be repentance and forgiveness involved to have conversations that you like. And the last thing is that you must work hard to create a rhythm of good communication. Work hard to create a rhythm of good communication. Guys, look, to have a good family and to have a family that you like, it's going to take a lot of conversations, a lot of work, a lot of awkward conversations. It's going to take a lot of work, y'all. Nothing worth anything magically happens. It doesn't. Whenever me and Aideen were struggling in our marriage, we went through a thing called love and respect, which there's some small groups out, love and respect, and we went through it. And I remember some of the first times that we actually sat in the chairs next to one another. And part of the, part of the, uh, the time that we had was for all the couples there to turn and look at each other in the face and talk. It was so awkward. <laughs> it was so awkward because we hadn't done that looked at each other to try to calmly communicate with love in a very long time. The only time that we looked at each other in, in the eyes was with rage in our hearts. And it was damaging our relationship. And it took, a, it took a while for us to be able to talk about something and it not become an argument. And many of you, you need to be healed because of the years of verbal, almost abuse to one another and to the kids, to the parents, parents to the kids, all, all of it, right? We, we talked last week about the different components of the family. And, and I realized that some of you, you might not have dad, mom, kids. It might not be that perfect situation, but here's the deal. No matter what the situation is, there's hope. No matter the dysfunction, God redeems and restores. I'm telling you, but there is a co-laboring, a working that has to take place to regenerate your family. But that's what this month is about. How to get to a place of kind of liking to, to, to truly liking your family. And it starts with changed hearts. Before we leave today, I wanna to give every single person in this room an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Because if you just take the things that we talked about, the biblical principles, but you don't take them with, with a changed heart, it's all gonna be temporary. Jesus changes our hearts. He changes our desires. And out of the heart flows the issues of life, meaning everything that you do. Whenever the anger in your heart, the, the, the defensiveness, the rejection, whatever it is that's in you, the sin, the pain is healed, everything that you do just, it makes more sense. There's more clarity. That's what God does in our lives. And he does it in our families. So let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes as we're closing. If you're in this place and you know, man, through the worship, through the words that were spoken, through the, the verses that were read, through this teaching today, you realize that you are far from God, that you just don't know him. You're not close to him. Right now in this moment, we're gonna, we're gonna pray together. I wanna give you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. He came and he died on a cross for you. 
so that you could be redeemed and restored. And in this moment, he's saying, choose me, say yes, say yes. The Bible says this in Ephesians 2, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this, it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. It's all what Jesus has done for you, and he's here right now to redeem you, and he loves you. If you're in this place, let's all pray together. And if you say, it's me, I need to choose Jesus today. I want you to pray to your God in your own words. You don't have to repeat everything that I say but come to God with a, a humble and a broken heart and he will not deny you. That's what the word of God says. Let's pray. Father, I come before you right now. I'm surrendering everything that I am. God, the good, the bad, the ugly, the successes, the failures, all of it, God. And I just, I lay my life at your feet. I ask for you to redeem me, to restore me. God, to take the heart that I have right now, which is a heart of stone that doesn't really hear you and respond to you and replace it, God. Replace it right now with a heart of flesh that hears your voice, that knows your ways. God, that desires the things that you desire. God, right now, I ask for you to clothe me in your righteousness, not my own because they're not worth anything. God, I thank you for fighting for me whenever I couldn't fight for myself, for paying the price for my sin and my shame. And I receive you right now, the free gift of salvation right now. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, can we give it up for those who gave their hearts to God right now? Come on, they're all over the room. I know it. Thanks so much for watching Northwood Church. Wherever you're watching from, we want you to know that we consider you family. We as a church want to help people know God, and our hope is that today you are encouraged and closer to God through this program. If you just prayed that prayer, first let me say congratulations. Starting your relationship with God is the best decision you can make, but it's also just a start, and we want to help you on your journey of faith. If you're watching and you want to become a partner in what God is doing in South Mississippi through Northwood Church, you can give simply by texting the amount you want to give to the number 228-215-3421. Again, that number is 228-215-3421. By giving, you're helping local food pantries, women's resource centers, missions, outreaches, and so much more. Even just $5 can go a long way. Again, text the amount to 228-215-3421. Northwood is one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach, Mississippi, and we'd love to see you there. You can check out our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. Be sure to connect with us at northwood.tv or on social media to stay up to date with all the exciting things happening around Northwood Church. Thank you for watching, and we hope to see you soon.